We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 114. We have a jam-packed show today, lots of stuff to talk about, which, Scott, is pretty surprising considering the Yankees and baseball is still in that sort of dead period as the NFL playoffs are going on. Not much is happening in Major League Baseball, but we haven't done a normal show in a while. We were just saying, last week we had Blake Rutherford on, a couple weeks ago we had Tyler Wade on, so it hasn't just been you and me for a full hour in a long time. All these guys, all these players keep coming and be like, yo, can we come on your show? I'm like, you know, we need to do one more. You know, we need to get back to our normal schedule and just do a show. So you need to give us some time. They're, they're, they're coming on pretty strong. So I don't know. It's a little little desperate from the Yankees players, I guess. I agree. It's, uh, it's strange. It's good to get so back to our roots. It's awkward. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good. We've been, we haven't done this in a while, so I'm glad to, uh, glad to uh, spend an hour talking about some stuff. We actually do have a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm, uh, I'm excited for the show. Yeah, just quickly about the, the interviews with Tyler and Blake. I, I, we've received a lot of good feedback, and, and that's awesome to hear from everyone. Uh, I, I actually finally went back and listened to those interviews, and um, just re- really enjoyable guys, two young guys to talk about. I mean, Blake is 19 years old. It's insane how young he is. Um, and the fact that he could be in the majors within the next calendar year is pretty insane. So I uh, just want to reiterate, uh, thanks again to both of those guys, and, and they were fun interviews. Yeah, and we've 
If you haven't noticed also over the past, I don't know, I'd say three to four weeks, and going back to our Frazier interview, when did we interview Clint? Was was like uh, November? Yeah, was somewhere around there. Early in November. We, all these stories that you're seeing, like the Post and the, and the Daily News write about and everything, we, we had those stories. Everybody who listens to our show know, knew those stories like two months before they were written in the New York papers. So, yeah, we just dropped uh, the ball and didn't write about them. <laughs> yeah, as we learned, as we learned to uh, take advantage of those things from quotes that are given to us directly. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm just glad our audience got to, got to know all the, the frozen yogurt story before anybody else did. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of quotes and everything, uh, Bronx Pinstripes attended the Yankees Winter Warm-Up event. It was the first inaugural event last week in Manhattan. Uh, where was it? Times Square and then at the stadium and Hard Rock Cafe? Uh, is that where it was? It was all over the place. They had a bunch of locations throughout New York that they took these guys to. They went, you know, they did some volunteering that on Tuesday night is the event that I went to. By the way, this was let's uh everybody needs to just to, to like give give a round of applause to the the fan-based website that gets credentialed going to to meet the Yankees. We finally we got to that point. Yeah, so that's a big step for for Bronx Pinstripes and all of you guys because you know, without your support, we, we never would have gotten to that point. But, yeah, the Yankees actually invited us to that, which was awesome, and it was a very big step forward for us. Hopefully they get, uh, they get that bug and start inviting us to a lot more stuff. Uh, yeah, my favorite part, uh, you, you and Rich's stories about uh, the events are a couple of baseball writers for some national newspapers that will go unnamed, maybe giving the stink eye that a fan website got credentialed to this event. Potentially, potentially. It's, it's my but, favorite. <laughs> baseball older baseball writers who are, are very territorial is it's one of my favorite things uh, most of them for the record the majority of them were very nice everybody was really cool um <laughs> and uh and, and very nice there's my pc answer but yes it was it was a lot of fun it was Again, it was no cool names being named it was a cool it was cool to be behind the scenes and and just kind of see uh, you know how that that whole world operates because that's my first time i mean i i asked starling castro a question with all with you know the the uh, the microphones and and recorders every in every in the uh, player's face, so I put on uh, my my personal Instagram that Starling Cashaw will always be my first, so he and he will always he will always be that to me. Bevin um, get jealous, but she was a little bit jealous, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know it was it was really cool. It was it was uh, it was kind of eye opening. It was the, it, it kind of got me excited and wants me to push even further for uh, for what we're doing here and uh, and really make some. Make some history because I think that's what we're doing. We're trying to we're trying to push the envelope a little bit. Yeah, and I know the three of us, you, me, and Rich, were writing and working our balls off uh, last week to get those stories out. Um, it was honestly one of the hardest I've written, hardest uh, most I've written in in a week at Bronx Pinstripes in the five almost six years that I, I've been associated with the website. Yeah, it was fun, man. And I tell you, the Yankees had a, a unique opportunity. I think with this winter warm up thing, people were making fun of it a little bit kind of mocking the Yankees for putting on a PR display. But you know what? They are new players. A lot of these guys, well, everybody but Starlin Castro, uh, for the majority of the time, I think the last day they had Chase, there was Chase Headley and then CeCe Sabathia. But the majority of the time, they were all new guys. Yep. Some of them not even in the majors yet, but Matt Holliday uh, well, was, was there. And then they're, you know, they're, they're pushing them around to meet to New York. And yes, of course it's some PR because that's what you're supposed <laughs> to do. You're supposed to introduce the players to the fans because guess what? Fans enjoy going to these events and seeing the players out in real life and meeting them and talking to them. I mean, that's, that's cool for us. Well, it's like whoever's complaining about it can't have it both ways. They can't, they can't have it where they want these, uh, the team to go young and then not, or then get mad when they try and 
publicize the players and, and get people to, to get on board with this team. I mean, that's just a natural thing to do in the organization. Uh, they got a little lucky in 96 and, and moving forward there where that team instantly started winning. So, of course, people are going to latch on to all the young kids. But if this team is not a World Series team next year, it's going to take some fans, not fans like us and not fans that listen to this podcast, but casual fans are not going to go sell out Yankee Stadium just because the team wins 83 ball games. Uh, yeah. It's going to take a little bit more. So it's these kind of events that get fans to show up. And like you said, Clint Frazier was there. He's going to be a fan favorite. Gary Sanchez obviously is a fan favorite. Uh, and, he, and some of the newer, older guys like uh, Matt Holliday. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't, I guess, understand the uproar of, uh, of or where people are, are when, they're, when they're talking about this and talking down about it. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's just it's something cool for the fans. Obviously, the, the Yankees want to tout their guys. I think one of the coolest moments on Tuesday night when I was there was they did the, uh, and this was on Yankees.com. I think they were live streaming it as well, but... They were, it was basically a panel, and uh, Ryan Rucco was asking them the questions. And Glaber Torres had the you know, translator was there, and he was going through the translator the, the first couple questions. And then you could just tell he was getting annoyed and kind of fed up that he had to say something to somebody else and then relay it. Like, he wanted to just say it, and he's like, ah, screw it, I'm going to talk in English. So then he just started – he gave some answers in English, and the whole place went nuts. It was, it was really cool because you could tell he, he got the confidence to come out and just use his English. And it was, he was pretty good. I, 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 yeah, I wish uh, wish more guys would would do that because I think it's I think it's cool when that happens. But it was well, it was a fun moment. Well, like uh, famously, Ichiro still uses a translator, even though yeah. everyone who's ever played with him says he's fluent in English. Well, he just doesn't want to talk. I mean, a lot of these guys do it as a for a reason because they don't want to do all the interviews. Because if you're if you're if they know you speak English, then you're going to get invited yeah. and you're going to get you know pressed to do more interviews and things like that. So if, I think it, it's a defense mechanism. If Derek Jeter could have used a translator to not talk to the media, he would have. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so we want to welcome on some new listeners. We, we see the stats behind the scenes. We know that the podcast is growing. So thank you to everyone who's out there and, and downloading the show and listening online. There are, are a good number of new listeners to this podcast, and we love seeing that. There's nothing I love more than uh, logging on to the back end of this thing and seeing those numbers climb up. So really thank you so much. If you are a new listener, welcome. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. You came on at a good time, uh, got in while the getting's good with these young kids, uh, listened to a few of those interviews. And if you haven't yet, go give us a review. Uh, I, all, the, all the old listeners of the show have heard me say this a thousand times, but please go give us a rating and review in iTunes. It does help out. And we are firmly in the lead as the number one Yankees podcast in iTunes. So I'm, I'm really loving that. So thank you to everyone who's done that. So a little bit more. I think every podcast episode we're going to do just uh, some of the Bronx Pinstripes updates just to, to let you guys know what's going on, on the website, what's going on with the, the community, um, and just give you guys more, uh, keep you in tune with what's going on with the Bronx Pinstripes crew. Uh, so we're going to start today. That, that being said, thanks to the new listeners. Again, you guys, are, a lot of people are getting an email from me on Twitter. It's a DM. People don't like it sometimes, but guess what? I'm going to do it anyway because it's getting our name out there, and I've actually had a lot of really cool interactions with with uh, other fans in the in Twitter DM over the past couple weeks, so that's that's been cool. Obviously, spring training, we're going to be down in Tampa. I've seen on Twitter a bunch of people saying that they're coming as well. Um, that makes that gets me so pumped up. So uh, March twenty fourth and twenty fifth, that's Friday, Saturday. Those are the two games that we'll definitely be going to. Um, and um, quick thing on that. So I had a panic attack today because when the news came out that Tanaka was not participating in the world baseball classic which i was extremely happy about yeah. i was like oh shit 
is that going to coincide with when we're in in Tampa? But it doesn't. The World Baseball Classic will be over by, uh, I think, March 21st or 22nd. So we'll be good to go. The entire squad will be down there for spring training. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either that until today. Been, that would have been very us to plan that in the <laughs> middle of the World Baseball Classic. But, um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to be going to those games on Friday, Saturday, and – uh, you know, I've already seen a whole bunch of people tweeted us saying that they're coming as well. So that'll be fun, and we'll we'll get something together. We'll figure out, you know, what we'll do at a at a restaurant or a bar, or maybe even just at the stadium afterwards. Yeah, before. there's that. We'll um, figure something out. There's that that deck out that party deck out in right field. That yeah, that was a pretty good meetup after the game. There was a huge area. So I, I mean, I feel like that would be a perfect spot if if people are going to the game. But also locally in Tampa, I know last year we found a few a few nice spots. Yeah, definitely, and we'll be relatively local i think we're staying in seminal heights is what it's called that area so yeah i'm just gonna we'll, bring my knife for the walk to the stadium <laughs> yeah yeah it's not that bad but <laughs> it's not compared to where we stayed last year it's it's probably going to be you know no problems we can walk around three in the morning with no issue but um yeah that'll be fun the uh and uh, by the way they renovated the stadium so i don't know if that deck is different or enhanced right so, so they were renovating so- um the left remember the left field side where behind yeah. it it had the the hill and all right. that kind of stuff i know they put in more i think of sort of like the party deck atmosphere out in left field too okay cool so spring training next thing on the docket is i have been putting out on twitter uh looking for writers for bronx pitchers we are are very close to to entering the season at our capacity i i think uh we're circling the the rounds for a couple guys right now and bringing on some people um, if you are a college student and you need an internship, hit us up. If you're looking for an internship, want to do an internship with Bronx Pinstripes, with this show, um, we have a, a bunch of other things that can be done, but that's a good opportunity. We've done it. I've, every summer I've had uh, someone come on and, and do an internship, and it's worked out really well. So if you are a college kid and you want to intern, uh, shoot me an email, info at bronxpinstripes.com. And if you are looking to get involved more with Bronx Pinstripes, whether you do graphic design, whether you're awesome at making videos, whether, I don't know, you want to sell some t-shirts, whatever it is. If you want to, if you do want to write, you know, if you're phenomenal, we can always add a, a new spot. I mean, we're always looking for, for people who want to be a part of this and uh, have a particular talent. So that's how it started and that's how we're going to grow. So that's, uh, that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. I just want to be wowed. I just want to be wowed. <laughs> just wow us. Uh, if you do want to intern for the podcast, uh, if you have any audio editing experience, obviously that's a plus. Um, I, I just want to throw out there that I, I managed uh, an intern for the last year. I'm a very good boss. I'm, I'm not hard at all. She's only cried like three or four times. So <laughs> you're in good hands if, if you work for me. You can wear a Chase Headley jersey every single day too. <clears throat> and then uh, one of the two, two, two more things, the fan shop. Obviously you guys know that been doing a lot more designs in the off season. Put, there's a, a brand new fan shop that's open and available right now. Got some more t-shirt designs that are in there currently, and I'm adding a whole bunch more in the next couple weeks. So every week I want to give all the listeners a, a new code. Uh, this week's going to be a 25% off code. It's BP show 25. So all you gotta do is plug that in. You get 25% off whatever you purchase in the shop. Um, if you and- use that code, Tweet a picture of your purchase to at Yankees podcast, and we will retweet you from from the podcast Twitter account. Uh, that code will be good for a week until next week's episode, right, Scott? Yeah, we'll change it and do something different. But um, th- there are going to be more T-shirts, more sweatshirts. There are going to be 
I'm working on a like a badass beanie. I haven't even told you about this yet, but it's a. It's, I'm still waiting it's for a, my hat. It's a very custom. Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. Custom beanie that's gonna look like the Yankees uh, top hat logo. It's actually really cool. Ooh, it's, it's, yeah, I like it's, that. It's pretty custom. I have one of those uh, keychains, one of those top hat keychain logos that I. It's from my dad. Use like had it in the '70s, and it's still going strong. Nice. Yeah, these will be. Uh, these will be pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, definitely check that out. And the last thing is we are getting ready to join a podcast network. That's <gasps> a big, big time excitement. Big time excitement for us. We, uh, we have been in touch with a bunch of people. Um, there is a company called Audio Boom. We are going to be setting up and getting on their podcast network. They are the largest podcast network in the entire world. So that oh, is a good shit. thing for us. That is a good thing for us. That's kind of a big news for us. Uh, we're we're growing up a little bit. And I want to warm you up a little bit that in the future, <laughs> we very well may have some, some live read advertisements. We have put our foot down by saying we do not want to have any pre-recorded, any of that commercial nonsense that you see, you're starting to hear on a bunch of other podcasts. If there is an ad, it will be something that Andrew and I do a live read for, something that we can kind of work into the show and we'll be... Uh, you know, not very, it won't be terrible to listen to and it'll be, a, you know, a good product, something that, yeah. And that I don't want you hitting with. that fast forward 15 seconds button on your phone either while we're doing those things. Yeah. These are ways to support us, you know, by listening, taking advantage of some of the codes that come out, you know, when an ad does come out, purchasing uh, t-shirts in the fan shop. If you're looking for Yankees gear, buy it from us, things like that. You can always support the show, support the website by, uh, by doing things like that. So that's my, I'm done, man. I'm done with my updates. I'm done with my rant. Yeah, I know you one. said that was the last bit of information or the last bit of updates. But one final thing, and I, and I mentioned it last week, but uh, coming up next month, we will be doing a podcast review of the movie 61, which was the Mantle and Maris chase for the home run record in 1961. Um, we don't know exactly when we're going to record it. We think it's going to be the first week of February, so it'll, it'll release soon after that. But we want listeners to watch the movie between now and then and shoot us some mailbag questions. Shoot us some tweets that you want to hear us talk about. Uh, this is our first go around with something like this. We're not, we're not used to it. So it might be an, uh, a train wreck or it might be awesome. We're not sure yet. But, but I'm looking forward to it. We will find out one way or the other. <laughs> it will be one or the other, but it's coming out. If I know it's I'm terrible, looking forward to it. If it's terrible, we'll still publish it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready to jump into some Yankees topics? Yes. All right. So – Free agency was kind of, um, which I feel like it's, it's like this a lot of times where it comes out of the gate hot, you know, a lot of the big guys sign and then there's nothing for a long time. And then a few more of the dominoes that you thought were going to sign early in the year or early in the off season sign right before spring training gets going. And, and they usually end up getting less than you originally thought. A couple examples of that. I mean, Bautista signed a one year deal. Wasn't that dude asking for like a hundred million last year? Um, so he signed a one-year deal with two option years with back with the Blue Jays, 18 million bucks a year. Trumbo was asking for, I believe, 70 million. He only got 37 and a half million over three years with Baltimore, which is actually half million dollars less annually than Matt Holiday, Matt Holiday got with the Yankees, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and then you think what Toronto did with Morales, they signed him at the beginning of the offseason for three years and 33 million, and he looks like an overpayment at this point. So um, the question I kind of want to pose is, did the Yankees jump the gun with Matt Holiday too early? Could they have waited and maybe gotten Mike Napoli, who's still out there for one year, 13 million? That dude can play first base. Matt Holiday can't. 
Or they could have made a play at Bautista for a DH for one year and 20 million bucks or whatever it may be. Um, that's sort of the question I want to pose to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with what they did because you all of these guys that you mentioned and, you know, some of them have longer contracts than Holiday. I, I would I would take Matt Holiday over over the majority of these guys. Obviously, Encarnacion is a longer term, a lot more money. Trumbo is more years. And Kendrick Morales, I have no desire to sign Kendrick Mar- Morales at all. He looks like the worst of the signings, but yeah. Bautista's is only one year guaranteed. I don't want Jose Bautista anywhere near my team, let alone signed for okay. a year. I, I want That's nothing to enough. do with him. Yeah, Joey Bats <laughs> can kiss my ass. I nobody should. Everybody should unfollow him because he's a whore. <laughs> hey, he follows. I'm sick of it. <laughs> That's fair, want, dog. That's fair. I understand that. I, I got nothing to either. do with him. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? Did you see what the Baltimore GM? Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He used to be the Red Sox GM. Uh, he said that Baltimore is not going after Bautista because our fans don't like him. Yeah. No, I know. It it's was beautiful. it was beautiful. It was a, it was a great. It was a great moment in truth. And I'm glad he said it because you know a lot more GMs were thinking it too. He's just a, he's just not a guy that's very marketable unless you're in. Oh, I think Toronto. he's tremendously marketable. I just think if he's not your guy, you dislike him. No, I think he's marketable in Toronto. I don't think anybody else wants him. That's the problem. And he's all he's doing is gonna you're gonna see regression from him for the rest of his career. You're not gonna see. I mean, he's old. The, the he's same numbers. Done. Yeah. So there's I, I want nothing to do with him. Matt Holiday, on the other hand, looks like he's. You know, in his early 30s, the guy is a monster. Yeah, see, He's I ready knew you to go. Were do this. I knew you were going to do this. I'm, I got, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, baby. You I am are drinking you, the Kool Aid. You're having seconds on the Kool Aid. Yeah, I, I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. You're seeing, seeing a jack dude, and you're like, yeah, he's going to hit bombs. Like, oh yeah, my God, the he's dude hit could, so many home runs. The dude could bench press with the best of the offensive linemen in football, but is he going to stay healthy? I mean, that is a huge question mark. You're looking at it if you're looking at Holiday and you look at his his uh, his career, he had some some weird. In- the last year was like a thumb, right? It was something. It was something, and then he had a, a hamstring at the very end. the The thumb thing is a fluky injury, in my opinion. This is a guy who stayed healthy for a long time for the majority of his career, and he's put up very consistent numbers throughout his career. He got yeah. he hits for average, he hits for power, and that's exactly what the Yankees need in the middle of their order right now. They need a guy who can who can get on base. And the other thing about Holiday that, that I think goes overlooked a little bit, he's a big dude. I mean, he is a big guy. When you're looking at a, a guy like Matt Holiday who's been dealing with a giant strike zone for his entire life, he is the absolute perfect mentor for a guy like Aaron Judge. And I think that is extremely valuable because Judge is entering, like we've talked about, the biggest year of his career. It's a huge uh, beginning of the season for him because if he doesn't get off to a decent start, you know, there's going to be a million question marks and who knows what happens from then. So I think having a guy like that to kind of help him work through some of these, some of these little issues uh, or some of these little issues, the giant issues with the strike zone and 200 and, you know, strikeouts a year is a giant issue. Yeah. And hitting, um, you know, hitting the, the off speed pitch. You're looking at a guy who, who does get the bat on the ball quite a bit. So I think he's going to be extremely valuable in that clubhouse. Yeah. You're drinking the Matt holiday kool-aid i i understand it i mean i was going through the quotes he had at the winter warm-up event and it was it was great he said he was asked if he had a message for the fans in new york and he said i play hard and i play to win i mean it's exactly what you want out of a guy so he he's also said oh i'm working on some things in the offseason to try and get more lift on the ball i guess he had some mechanical flaws in his swing Mm -hmm. that uh produced a lot of ground balls last year and obviously you don't want ground balls out of matt holiday you want doubles and home runs so yes, that's all good. That's all good. 
I'm just, I'm just, I was fine with it when they signed him because it was a low risk, high reward situation. But now what I see what the market has done, I kind of think there is a better fit on the Yankees than Matt Holiday from a purely roster standpoint. Like Matt, you're, Mike you're Napoli, saying Mike Napoli. Yes, he would have been a better fit for the Yankees in 2017. And clearly you could get him for a one-year deal, $13 million, because he's still out there and no one's signing him. So if you could have gotten him, he can play first base. He, he, Matt Holiday can't. So, well, he can. Matt Holiday can play first base. Okay, Matt Holliday, last Mike year. Napoli can play a solid first base. He, he's a first baseman. Matt but Holliday I, is a left fielder. So here's the thing. Matt Holliday is going to be the DH, and he will be able to, to play first base when, when needed, I think. I don't think we're going to see him in the outfield very much. No, I the agree. Reason, the reason I don't think we needed a guy like Napoli who could go over and play first base is because, one, Holliday can put on the glove and go over there and play when needed. But you're looking at, at Greg Bird, who's coming back, going to play the majority of the season. And then you're looking at Tyler Austin, who can also go over there and play first base. We have two guys that hit from both sides of the plate that can play first base. And I think the Yankees want to, to give them the opportunity to do that. Whether it's a guy, you know, whoever, whoever takes the, uh, the reins and runs with it. And, and the, you know, obviously the leader in the clubhouse is Bird. That's who they, they think is going to be the guy. Um, you know, give him every opportunity. And then having Austin there to back him up hit from the other side of the plate, and then you know, play that little bit more flexible role uh, you know, in the outfield if needed as well. So I think they have that guy already. I don't think they needed the, the, the first base uh, part of it. So this is what makes this podcast good. You, you take the optimistic view. I'm going to go with the pessimistic view. What if Greg Bird really struggles? And I, I think we both like Tyler Austin, but he's not an everyday first baseman. I mean, I, I guess you could say that then, then Matt Holliday is going to get more looks over there. Rob Refsnyder plays first base. Right? Wouldn't you there's, have? There's wouldn't options, you rather have Napoli as a DH first base insurance than? I Matt saw Holliday? what my I saw what Napoli did two years ago. I know he had a he had a great year last he year. Had that, he, he had was, that jaw surgery, so he could sleep. He was hitting under 200 uh, when he was with Texas. Was it? Yeah. Uh, the guy was a disaster. Yeah. So but who's I to told say you, that now last he's getting year? Sleep. Okay, he's getting sleep. Maybe he's getting some other things. <laughs> Thirty-seven but, home runs last year. Yeah, little little Brady Anderson-ish. But well, I, I'm, who gives a just, shit? Just going to say. I don't know. Because usually, you know, if it's for a year, it might go away the next year, a la Brady Anderson. The the fact is that and, – and the other the other point is that you don't know that Napoli is going to be around for uh, this money at this point. I mean, the Yankees had to go out and get the guy that they felt was the right guy. And I think they did. Yeah. I mean, I, time will tell, obviously. It's just interesting what the market did because um, I, I think we – I remember you and I talked saying that Mike Napoli is going to get two years, and, and it just doesn't look like that now. We thought Bautista was going to get minimum three years. We thought Encarnacion was going to get five years, and he got three. So I, the market came back down to where it was at the beginning it's of those, the season. Those draft picks. Those draft picks are really screwing yeah. with these contracts. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things that came out over last week at that at the event when Cashman was talking is that Batances and the Yankees are going to arbitration. Uh, they're $2 million apart on, on reaching a deal. Batances filed for $5 million. The Yankees filed him in at $3 million. Um, and I wrote something on the website last week, uh, sort of unfortunately foreshadowing. I could see things getting messy for the Yankees and Batances because Batances is in a bad spot as far as earnings go. Um, not from a you and me standpoint, but from a Major League Baseball player of his <laughs> caliber standpoint. Like I wish I wish my... At the end Wish of the day, salary arbitration was that bad. Yeah, for everyone who's tweeting me and being like, "Oh, you, I can't feel bad for a guy who's going to make at least three million bucks next year," I agree with you. You can't 
actually feel bad for him. But when you look at how good he is, he's one of the three to five best relief pitchers in baseball. And you look at he's made minimum salary for the last three years when he was a three to five, top five reliever in baseball. I kind of feel a little bit bad for him. And now the Yankees re-signed Chapman. He's making huge bucks. He's going to be the closer. And they've labeled Batances a setup man. They they filed him in. One of the reasons they filed him in at $3 million is because they said, we're not paying you closer money. You're a setup man. So he's kind of in a, in a no-win situation where his – his value is a little bit diminished because of the role he's in, even though he is extremely good. Yeah, he's in a bad spot. <laughs> That's, there's no other way to go around it. When when they signed, when they re-signed Araldis Chapman to come in as the the closer for the Yankees, Dellen Batances at that point just lost a lot of money. I mean, you knew that he was going to get screwed in this in the sense that you know when you're not a closer. You're, you're not obviously going to get paid that type of money. And there's just different, it's a very different level going from ninth inning to the eighth inning. So there was no way around it. I mean, he was, he was going to get screwed. And while, while people are saying they don't feel bad for him, you got to put this stuff in context. Like when you, when you feel bad for a major league baseball player, it's, it's, you know, it's relative to baseball players. And you're like, I feel bad because he could do this. It's not because they're making that much more money. And I mean, they're all making a lot more money than us. We get it. That's a thing. But yeah, I feel bad for him in the sense that he's not being able to take advantage of his prime because that's where he is right now. He's yeah. in his prime, and he is going to be in his prime probably pitching his best years and not being able to take advantage of that monetarily. That's another thing is that he didn't really start pitching regularly in the big leagues until 26, so his arbitration has been pushed back. So he's going to be free agent in 2020, and he's going to be 31 years old. And that's for a relief pitcher who's going to have a lot of miles under his belt. He's not going to get all of the contract offers that he would have got if he was a free agent now, which is kind of where he should have been. So that's another reason why he's going to earn less. And doesn't it just rub you the wrong way that the Yankees are kind of quibbling over two million bucks? And I'm going to read a comment that I got on my blog in a second, which it it argues for the Yankees do, that they did the right thing. But just on the face of it, Two million bucks for one of the best pitchers in the league and one of the Yankees' most valuable players isn't doesn't just kind of rub you the wrong way. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I understand the the business side of it, and and the Yankees are are just trying to do what I guess the market is presenting for for an eighth inning guy or for a, you know a middle reliever. In essence, that's what he is because eighth inning guys are no more valuable, I guess, you know, on paper than a seventh inning guy, right? Or, or a sixth inning guy. What makes a, an eight? There is no eighth inning role at this point. There's no holder. You know what I mean? There's a closer, but there's no holder position. I mean, holds, is, holds is a stat. It's just it's a, not. It's a newer stat, but it's not, it's not recognized as a position, I don't think. Not yet, at least. I, it probably will be soon. But, um, yeah, the, the fact that this guy is a local guy, too. I mean, the fans... This is, uh, he came up at a time where there weren't very many guys coming from our system that Yankee fans could get behind. And Yankee fans have absolutely gotten behind Dylan Batances. He's a local guy from the Bronx, from New York, um, come up through the system. He, he was part of the Killer Bees, if everybody remembers that, when he was a starting pitcher. And, you know, he made it up. Who was the other one? It was Bra- Andrew Brackman and uh, ben, ben Willos. Ben Willos. Yeah, the three of them were the killer bees. So he's the only one that actually made it to the to the major leagues with any level of success. And he made it in a different role than what he was supposed to. Yeah, exactly. So, the um, yeah, I, I, it does rub me the wrong way a little bit. 
Uh, but, you know, again, it's business, and that's business, just kind of yeah. what so they're the doing. So the business aspect. I'm going to read a comment from Mexer, who, who in complete um, sarcastic tone and, and wrote on my, on my post, the most important thing and what seems to be completely lacking in your entire article is that this is Batanza's first year in arbitration. I I compared Warren to uh, I compared Batanzas to Warren because Warren made like two point three million. He goes on to say it is Warren's second salaries go up in success successive years of arbitration. That's how the process works. As players pass from full team control to free agency, basically Batanzas' agent is trying to reset the market to argue for giving the top relievers who are in arbitration uh, who are in arbitration closer money despite not being closers. However, I think the arbitration process looks to be looks to the free agent market to determine value, and the free agent market seems to put a premium on closers. I think that the odds are very high that Batanzas will close, uh, will lose the hearing, and end up with three million <laughs> when he otherwise would have had three point four or three point five. So, he's arguing for the Yankees are doing the right thing from a business standpoint. I never argued against that. Not asking the Yankees to out of the goodness of of their own heart just give Batances all the money in the world. Again, I was just simply saying the relationship is going to get messy. And from for one of my favorite players on the team, it rubs me the wrong way. Well, I think if you're looking at the end result, too, of Batances and where he's going to end up after all is said and done, he's probably not going to be on the Yankees. There's, Definitely uh, un- Unless there's some strange things that happens with uh, with Chapman and, and Batances – is, is still with the team and able to take over that closer role, he's not going to be with the team because he's going to get closer money from someone and it's probably not going to be the New York Yankees. So what are they breaking? They're breaking a relationship that's probably not going to be repaired in the first place. It's not going to be a long-term relationship at this point. I think they they broke that relationship when they signed Aroldis Chapman. That was that was the, uh, the you know, the kind of the kick in the knee at that point because you're, you're signing the guy that would be your role. So essentially taking money out of your pocket as soon as that signing happened. So it was a, it was a broken relationship right then. Well, Batances better be careful. I mean, he's broken down is not broken down, but he's looked tired the last couple seasons. They've used him so much. He's pitched the most innings out of the bullpen on the team, out of any relief pitcher. Uh, I think the, didn't we figure out last year that he threw like a thousand more pitches than any other, other reliever over the last three seasons. <laughs> Are we including the stats that were the new stat that we're going to, that we're gonna patent of the the how many the, pitches the they bullpen, throw in the bullpen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like it's like an extra add an extra thousand onto that thanks to Girardi's management. We need to come up with some kind of uh, some acronym for that too, <laughs> some some ridiculous acronym. But I mean, he's he's got three more seasons of arbitration, so his arm hopefully is still on. It's probably gonna be hanging by a thread as he's entering free agency. Yeah, I you know I hope I hope that at some point he's able to go out and get that contract that he deserves because. It's uh, it's unfortunate what's happening to him with uh, with the contract situation, but it's the it's a dirty business when it comes to the eighth inning guys who are not closers. You know how mad he must be looking at Mark Melanson getting the money that he got, yeah. and and him sitting in the eighth inning, you know, in the eighth inning making five hundred thousand dollars a year compared to what Melanson just got. I mean, yep, it's crazy. B- granted, Melanson waited a long time to get that contract, so. You know, he was he was also in a similar situation, probably making similar money. To well, Batances. no, he was. But Melanson, the last couple of years, was was signing one year deals at, for for. I, I'm talking about when Melanson change. when Melanson was with the Yankees, he was probably in a similar situation, making similar money. Oh well, Melanson never really <laughs> pitched much for the Yankees at all. They traded him to Pittsburgh. I understand that, but I'm saying he was probably making around 500 grand. Yeah. 
Um, oh, it's insane when you look at the fact that how good Batances has been. He's been making league minimum for three straight seasons. Yep. I mean, and it, you can argue uh, the Yankees should have or could have locked Batances up after his first year when he was so dominant. They could have got him at way below market value, but still given him more than he would make otherwise. It could, they could have met in the middle somewhere, somewhere back in 2014. I guess it worked out for the Yankees. I guess if you if, <laughs> if you're looking want, at dollars and cents, if you're looking at dollars and cents, if that's the only thing that's important to you, Randy Levine is extremely happy about this deal. What if what if what if Batanz is is unhappy and that affects his performance? I mean, that, then you're not a professional. That can't that cannot. Then you're gonna be you're gonna have a problem getting a longer contract from somebody else if that's the case, and if that's known. Sure, it it could happen though. Well, well that'll be an issue for him. that'll be a bigger issue for him. All right, so you wanted to talk about Starlin Castro? I did want to talk about Starlin Castro. I've been seeing a whole bunch of stuff about Starlin Castro. And this is not because he's my first, okay? I know everybody's like, yeah, he's your first. So you're gonna he's kiss your his new ass. binky. We he's, found he's out who new... Scott's new binky is. <laughs> he might be, actually. But um, there's been a lot of I – think, I think what's been happening is all of the big bright eyes for – all the farmhands that that we're seeing with the Glaber Torres, with Jorge Mateo, with all of the, you know, the talk of these guys coming up, the fact that we have so many middle infielders, that I think Stalin Castro is getting overlooked quite a bit. And I, when, when I see people are talking about him, like he's not going to be with the team, he's got to do something to be with the team. He's, uh, you know, they don't see him in, uh, with the Yankees in 2018, 2019. Once his contract is up, I, you see, I think there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, undertones on what he is to this team right now. Because you look at what he did last year, first year with the New York Yankees. I mean, he had some pretty good numbers. The guy had a phenomenal second half, and he's known for that. He, he did it in Chicago the year before that. Best hitter in the, NL, in the NL. And we were all pumped up because we knew what this guy did second half of 2015 with the Chicago Cubs. And he kind of did that again, not to the same extent, but he, you, could saw, you saw an uptick in the second half of the performance of what he did in the Bronx. So... I don't know. I think this is a guy, you know, I've, I've said from the beginning that I think Starlin Castro eventually is going to be the third baseman. And I still believe that that's going to be the case. Once, once Headley is, you know, unless Headley has a phenomenal comeback year this year, which I know you're really pulling for, you're excited for Chase Headley this year and his prospects might even be your X factor. I know you haven't told everybody what it is, but I think it might be Chase Headley. But it I think Starlin Castro, I think Starlin Castro has a, uh, has an opportunity to slide over there. You saw the power ad in 2016 where he started hitting um, a lot more home runs. What do you hit? 20, 20, he hit 20, uh, 20 yeah. some on the D- year. Him and Didi both hit 20. Um, he, he, he projects to be, he's a bigger guy, he projects to be a, a third baseman. He's played on the left side. I think this guy should be in the long-term plans, at least right now you're looking at it. Whoa. There's no reason for him to be discarded. Well, I mean, he's locked up under team control until 2020, so he is kind of in the long-term plans. There's what are the details of that contract though? There was some. It's out, he's under contract. Is it a club option? A club option for sixteen million bucks for 2020. So he's at least okay. on the team through 2019. Right. It's three three more seasons. So that's. I but mean, that projects. But that projects very well with what what's going on with the minor leagues, and you know I we're mean, expecting to see some of these guys up there. I, I mean, we would hope that Glaber Torres and Jorge Mateo were arriving, or at least made the big leagues before 2019. I think Yankee fans at this point need to pump the brakes a little bit on the prospects for <laughs> I'm serious because it's getting a little, I mean, I'm excited. I'm as excited as anybody I am. I, I, and I get it, 
but we have to see some of these guys. I think the there's a lot of being overshadowed right now. What's happening in the major leagues? Didi had a hell of a year. Castro had a very good year. Granted, you know I think everybody's getting uh, sick of him swinging at that outside, uh, that outside off speed pitch, and missing by three feet. But the guy is a good hitter, and he's putting up extremely good numbers in the major leagues. These guys are all in the minor leagues putting up minor league numbers. This is a major leaguer putting up major league numbers, hitting 20 home runs in the major leagues. That cannot get overlooked, and I think it is. And the fact that his power is translating to Yankee Stadium, because if you look at his splits, home and away, he's hitting a lot more home runs at Yankee Stadium. This is a guy that can grow old at Yankee Stadium and move over to third base. I kind of equate him to when the Yankees traded for Curtis Granderson and he was locked up for like three years under reasonable money. And then he had solid seasons with the Yankees and then the Yankees moved on. And that actually turned out to be bad because the Yankees Mm -hmm. signed Ellsbury over Granderson. Remember Granderson went to the Mets for like 80 million bucks and they gave double that to, to Ellsbury. And if you look at their numbers, uh, up, you know, Ellsbury versus Granderson. It's no question Granderson's had a more productive three seasons since then. So that was a mistake. Um, but as far as you know, how the Yankees are treating him, that that might be how they're looking at it. We got a a controllable asset who's definitely above average to good, who's um, locked up for reasonable money, and we'll see. I think they're going to assess where they are with him in 2019. I mean, I think that's true as well. I think more to what I'm talking about are the fans dismissing him as a guy okay, so that you're, okay, for a long time. I'm so more talking about the fans, fans than I'm talking about the to, New York Yankees. Yeah. Fans need to pump the brakes and, and and realize what the Yankees have on the field in the Bronx versus just stop constantly looking to the minors and saying, replace everyone, replace everyone, because there there are a couple guys. I mean, Cash, you and I were, were high on Casher and Didi last year. Those were two of our favorite players last year. Well, I mean, Castro, if you remember from last offseason, he was the big excitement. We were so excited the fact that Brian Cashman made that trade and got, you know, the the young, proven all-star kid that's coming up through the, the Cubs well, system. Well, you were, you were excited. Put up numbers. I, was, I was a little sad to see Steven Drew go. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Cut him. The uh, But, but you know, you're looking at Castro, and I, I, you, I swear to God, you see this dude, and he's got an Adrian Beltrade-type body. Like, this guy is a third baseman. I'm surprised he's even playing second base at this point. He's got he's what 200 pounds plus, uh, and six foot six foot two. I don't know. He's he's a a bigger stockier dude, and third base seems glove, like a the, natural fit because he was the a glove shortstop. translates. The glove translates absolutely. If you could play short, you could play third. He was a left side infield guy, so he he can move back over there. So and he's got a good glove. It's not like this is a guy that. He's not a, he's not he's not deficient really in any role. I mean, he's a good hitter, he's a good fielder, and I think we're going to see a different Starlin Castro this year because of the younger players that are coming up. You know, he's always been the young guy, and now he's what twenty six, going to be twenty seven years old. Still, he's still relatively young. I mean, it's, relatively young, he's but been stepping into so long. more of a veteran role for the New York Yankees because of the youth coming up. Didi and Starlin are going to be some of the the leaders in that clubhouse. I like that he was durable too, because you you put his stats in here. I just saw he played 151 games, so durable. That that's I think, like I always I always say that the most underrated stat in sports is games played. Oh, big big Trevor Hoffman guy, huh? No, but if you're injured, you're not valuable. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on to some more uh, lighthearted fun is a Rod's reality TV show called Back in the Game. I know you're pumped up for it. 
Okay, so you had this in the notes, and I remember seeing something about it, but I didn't know anything about this show. And then I saw that it's on CNBC, and it's some financial something or other with an athlete. And I was telling you before we started recording that I'm a big fan of the show uh, The Prophet. It's Marcus, I forget his last name, Marcus something. And he's, uh, he basically goes and fixes broken businesses, right? And that, so I was going to look at The Prophet on demand and to pick out one of the shows. And I see there's like 30 CNBC shows that are all basically the same premise, but there's like different themes, I guess. Like Marcus, his, The Prophet is with broken businesses. There's like some like, like redneck hillbilly southern one uh, version of Shark Tank. Uh, there's They're bringing in other, you know, celebrities to do similar shows and then now a rod's coming in to do the the financial side of the athlete yeah. so he's gonna help broke right ass into athletes it. yeah, he's gonna fit it's fitting right into that into that mold with cnbc's doing so i'm excited for the show i think um, it'll be great must see tv so i'm picturing a rod having like a sit-down intervention with these broke athletes and being like yeah. how could you have blown fifty-five thousand dollars at the strip club for the fourth night in a row what is wrong with you that's what i'm picturing and, I, and i'm super excited for it yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think I think we're going to see A Rod in his natural. He's going to be. This awkward. is A Rod Corp. This is all A Rod Corp. A Rod, A Rod's part of A Rod's charm is that he's awkward. So as to long some, as to as, some, as long as he's like that awkward, charming self we saw on TV, I think it could be actually a successful show. There's going to be so it, they're calling it a reality TV show, and obviously the reality part is for the athletes that are getting advice from A-Rod because A-Rod's the host. But I think there could be a hidden gem in this show. And if the producers work it correctly and really they make this show about A-Rod and how wild of a life he leads, wild (laughs) not like going out and partying, but just how weird he is, I think that could be a fun reality TV show. So like the broken, the broke athletes are secondary to A-Rod's awkwardness. Yeah, see, that's more of like a Bravo type show, though. I think the CNBC Whatever. Switch part of it, it over to to Bravo. You can follow the Kardashians. The the CNBC part's going to make it boring, unfortunately. And you're talking about the I, I don't really know how A Rod can not act like his normal awkward self because uh, what else is he going to do? Not act. You know, awkward? he's going to be in like a a, a new six thousand dollars suit every every episode. He's going to have yeah, his hands together twice. in a triangle, like he's really getting down to brass tacks with these guys. He's going to pucker his lips their quite life. a lot. His yeah. puckers, pucker that lips. His, he constantly is puckering those lips. Every he's, episode, he's he will mention his daughters roughly sixty-five times. So, yep, it's gonna be good. Can't wait. Um, the hall for the of record, fame. For the record, I like seeing A Rod on reality shows more than I like seeing him in a baseball <laughs> uniform. <laughs> he he finally, unfortunately, ruled out not coming back for twenty seventeen. Oh, that's a shock. But he's not retired yet because he's still getting paid. Well, yeah, he's got to set his papers after next year when the when that contract is up. And also, he I I would imagine he doesn't want to retire uh, now because it will delay his Hall of Fame eligibility. That's true. He needs that extra. He needs every year he can get. How about that point. segue? That is a good segue. Um, Bagwell, Tim Raines, and Pudge Rodriguez are the only three people to get into the Hall of Fame this time around. Pudge was a first time first uh, ballot Hall of Famer. Raines was like his tenth. Bagwell like his seventh. I really cannot get excited about any of these players making the Hall of Fame. I know Reigns was one of those guys that they were were crusading for. Bagwell, to me, is just a product of steroids. He just was never named in any report. And Pudge was one of the best catchers in yeah. in the league for 
two decades, but he also was probably a steroids guy. So you just got to be, I just, I just would like more consistency because if you're voting Pud Rodriguez in on his first ballot, but Bonds and Clemens are only getting 54%, to me, it's just hypocrisy. Well, see, the funny thing about it is you're, you're telling me you're not excited about that. And then you give your reasons and you talk a lot about steroids, but you're not that guy. You're not the guy who says that they shouldn't be in because of steroids. So is it just because no, of no, hypocrisy? No. Um, yes. I'm, I'm not excited because Tim Raines, well, I've, I've kind of put Raines to the side because he was, he was an 80s guy. Bagwell yeah. was a 90s guy. Pudge was a 90s guy. They were two very good players, but neither of them were a, the 10 best players in the league at any given point. And I'm sorry, I just can't get excited about guys who were never considered a top 10 player or never um, – I, I tweeted out that – Well, I disagree with Pudge. I think Pudge was the best catcher in the league for a very long time. I think Pudge okay. was one of Pudge, – Pudge, I think, over Bagwell. I, I, don't think, I don't think Bagwell is a Hall of Famer personally, but – No, okay, I think, so p- fine. Pudge maybe was a top 10 player, but – Yeah, I, I think Pudge was the best catcher for a, a long time in the league. So I, I kind of um, jokingly tweeted last week about a video game cover – um, effect because someone tweeted, I forget who it was one of the sports writers tweeted like side-by-side numbers of Jeff Bagwell and Ken Griffey Jr. And their career OPS were virtually the same. And to even make that comparison between Bagwell and Ken Griffey Jr. to me is asinine. And I use like the video games as an example, like Ken Griffey Jr. was the face of baseball for a while. He had right. star appeal. Did anyone outside of Houston give a shit about Jeff Bagwell? People in Connecticut cared about Bagwell apparently too. I didn't even know Connecticut was uh, was his where was where he was from until all this. Actually, I never knew that. Okay, fine. But, but the thing, I, yeah, I, I see that a little bit. But I mean, that's also the marketing side of it. I mean, you could get caught up in that too because that doesn't necessarily translate what happens on the field for a, a hall of fame a hall of fame career. I mean, yeah, it the guy was marketable. Popular. No, it's not the uh, end all be all, but it, yeah. it translate it translates as far as popularity. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. was the most popular baseball player in the 90s. And to compare him to Jeff Bagwell is stupid. <laughs> well, he's getting the comparison now because they're both Hall of Famers. The, the thing about the, what the Hall of Fame is, it's very difficult when we talk about the Hall of Fame because, one, now we're dealing with so many different eras of writers. We're dealing with some really old guys. we got some really young guys in there. So there's so many different mixed opinions because baseball is so different now than it was 30 years ago. 40 years ago. And when you're talking about the best of the best, like the, the no doubters, you, you think about those guys. Like to me, those are the guys when I was growing up were the Hall of Famers. Like I always thought the best of the best, those are the guys that were going to be in the Hall of Fame. But now I feel like there's these like fringe guys yeah. that, are, that are getting into the Hall of Fame. I kind of feel the same way about some of the people in Monument Park, to tell you the truth, with the <laughs> plaques going up. In all honesty, it's like there's, there's a lot of participation ribbons going on with people that Granted, great Yankees, awesome Yankees, probably shouldn't be out there though. But the same thing with the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, there used to be there used to be clear cut numbers. You hit this number, you're in the Hall of Fame. You're that guy. Now those numbers are out the window because of the steroid era, because of all the things that have happened. So, so now it's a lot more opinion, and people are, are you know pushing their agendas for certain guys, and and you know taking retracting from other ones because of the whole steroid complications or what they think they did, and it's just so freaking gray now that it's losing its luster, and I'm afraid. That in 20 to 30 years, the Baseball Hall of Fame, nobody's going to give a shit about because it's so uh, watered down and saturated that it's not going to be as cool and as, as a big of an honor as it used to be. Which is even more of a reason why you have to largely throw numbers out for the steroid area and just use the eye test. 
I, I agree. I think the eye test is the, the should be one. Of, I don't know how you write that into the rules, but the eye test should be something. It, it should absolutely be one of them. And, and I and I know before we started recording, uh, we both agreed let's not get too deep into the Hall of Fame because somehow we always get into a rabbit hole with this. Because so, it gets it gets annoying, know. you know. It's like one of those things that just doesn't go away. That that's like there's everybody has an opinion about. And I swear to God, the eighty percent of the people that I hear about it, I hate their opinion. I think they're wrong. <laughs> it's it's so annoying. So let's leave it with this: Posada is not a Hall of Famer, but for him to only only receive seventeen votes is insane. Pudge, a catcher, gets in on his first ballot, and Posada gets not even past one ballot. And if you look at their offensive numbers, Posada has a better across-the-board offensive uh, stat line than Pudge Rodriguez. So how is one a first-ballot Hall of Famer and one not even worthy to stay on the ballot for more than a year? And then when you factor in Posada being a leader on the Yankees who won five championships, right? it's just like more hypocrisy. Yeah, it's a travesty to see that he's not going to be on the ballot anymore. I mean, it's do I think he's a Hall of Famer? No, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But you know, he deserves to be in the at least the conversation about this. And and I guess this is where the politics come into play with some of these guys saying that, well, I only see five guys that should be Hall of Famers, so now I'm going to vote for this guy, that guy, and this guy because I think they deserve to be on the ballot longer. And I had a problem with that too. I think people should only vote for people who need who should be in the Hall of Fame. That being said the whole percentage and then you're off of the ballot is ridiculous. You should be able to be on the ballot for longer, uh, not based on who votes for you, because personally, I think that people should vote for people who they think are Hall of Famers, and that's it. Don't vote for people who are not Hall of Famers in your eyes. Yeah, the whole voting I just, I just think is, is I think backwards. they need to be able to be on the ballot longer so oh, at least the conversation be can be the, there. I actually think the opposite. They should be on the ballot for less time, but you should have more than – you should be able to vote for more than 10 guys. No, I mean allowed on the ballot for as long. Now, because now he's not going to be on it, is what I mean. They should be allowed to be on the ballot for a oh. minimum amount of years. Got it. Not just one year if you don't get that vote. Um, Oof, all right. Tired? I'm exhausted after that. Let's get into some mailbags. And why don't you read the first one? Because I'm a little embarrassed by my last reading out loud appearance yeah, on this podcast. That was bad. That was, that was not good. I kind of want to put in some like circus music behind that now. Do it. <laughs> Okay, this is from this is a mailbag from Andy. I don't know where it came from, but it's thank you, Andy. First time, long time. Just heard the Blake interview when you guys were talking about when we became Yankee fans. My moment was in 1995 Game Five Division Series when we lost to Seattle. But the real reason I'm emailing you guys is to ask what are the chances that Glaber Torres does what Manny Machado did and jump straight to the majors from Double A. The Orioles had J.J. Hardy when they brought out Machado to play third base. So let's say Headley struggles again. Glaber Torres is destroying the competition in Double A. Does he get the call? You know the Yankees are not known for calling up guys so young. But what are your thoughts? Go A Rod. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a dig at me. He no. Andy's just excited for his show. <laughs> so I did a little bit of research and um, phenomenal reading, by the way. Phenomenal, yeah, flawless was, reading just then. Were you, were you mad? A little I, mad about that? I think you've been practicing. <laughs> Um, so Greg Bird played 34 games in AAA and he got called up to the majors and that's for the Yankees extremely quickly. Um, yeah. but you remember he got called up because of Teixeira's injury. He would not, he would have stayed in AAA for much longer. Um, had it not been for Teixeira's injury in 2015, as far as like big players that made the double a jump in recent years, uh, Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton from Minnesota. We saw uh, how that went. Byron Buxton is a freaking epic flop. Right. Sano is pretty good, though. He's got some pop. 
Yeah. He struggled out of the gate, though. He was on my fantasy team. That's the only reason I know that. Uh, Conforto for the Mets, and we saw his struggles, and Schwarber for the Cubs, and we've seen him go beast mode. So it's uh, – I mean, it happens. It doesn't happen often. Um, it's happened – I was reading something today uh, in history. I mean, there's only a handful of guys that have – have made this jump and stuck in the major leagues. It's extremely hard to do. Um, it's more. Uh, it's more. Uh, more of an opportunity for pitchers, though, right? I don't have the the names in front of me, but I do remember uh, some pitchers coming up from Double A that make that jump. Yeah. So um, I don't have any of the names off the top of my head. I mean, the the famous example is that John Olerud never played a game in the minor leagues. It's the helmet. I mean, the, I mean, nobody else had that helmet, so I mean, you got to um, do something else. But like remarkable. that's that's like the only example of that happening. So yeah. Um, as far as uh, Andy's question, can Gleiber make the jump from Double A this season? I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna rule it out entirely. I would put the odds at like point oh five percent, like very very slim. So here's my. Uh, uh, I'm going to kind of destroy something here. Uh, there's an assumption being made that he's going to start in double A. I don't think he's going to start in double A. I think that what they saw in Arizona, which is, uh, you know, they say is a, a on par of double A. I think they, if he has a hot spring, they could start him in triple A immediately. This guy doesn't, why does he need to be in double A for, for a season? Why, why can't they put him in triple A when they've already seen what he can do, you know, in the Arizona Fall League with uh, with the same caliber of guys as a double A, because that's that's kind of the the bar of what they say it is. So, I, you know, I think there's a very good opportunity where this guy could actually start in Triple A if he has a hot spring training. Yeah, that's kind of a wild card. I didn't even think about. Um, obviously, Pete Cosma is in the minors for Scranton, but the, I mean, the Yankees aren't going to care about moving players around. They're going to make they're going to make uh, Gleiber a priority. But he's so young, I just I just have a hard time seeing them rushing him. I mean, he's their number one prospect right now. They do not want to screw this up. Well, I don't even think rushing him, going into AAA, isn't even so much of a rush. I mean, you're still holding them back down there. It's still skipping the, a full level. I guess. The, the thing about what we're, what we're looking at, though, is um, Jorge Mateo was also in, in, in single A for a while. And, and we all know what happened when he got the... Uh, when he got passed over for the call up to double A, this he's a guy. If they if they do keep him, I know there's been talks about him uh, being in the outfield. They haven't told him anything that he's going to be starting in the outfield as of right now. He's a, he's an infielder. He's a shortstop. He's a second baseman, but primarily a shortstop. He's a guy that very well. If he if if both of these guys do well in spring training, you could see them both uh, you know make that jump up. So Mateo at that point could be the shortstop of double A. Then what are you doing with Gleyber Torres? Or, or if Gleyber Torres is at Double A, what are you doing with Mateo? You're gonna to have to change positions. What if he well, doesn't adapt? What if he doesn't adapt well to center field? What if he is a shortstop and that's where you have to be? Then, then you have a you have a little bit of a, a roadblock, a little bit of an issue, some traffic, if you will. And if Gleyber comes out and just lights up the spring training and has a good spring training, why not start him in Triple A? Pete Cosma is certainly not gonna hold anybody back. No, 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 I'm not saying no. You're right. I I think though the Yankees will start to look at Gleyber at other positions, second base and third base, because the more I'm reading it, I mean they they love Didi, and who who's to say that Gleyber is not the future third baseman, as Andy has said here, and instead of the future shortstop. Again, see this is what the disrespect for uh, Starling Castro here comes. The no 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 I think how is I that think, disrespect for for Starling Castro? Because I think Castro is going to be sliding over to third base. I don't think. I think okay, so with, then, uh, then Torres could play, could get some time at second base. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I could see them 
playing him at those other positions just to get him some experience there. Yeah, I, I, I think they will. I mean, it, I think they when the trade happened from everything we were talking about when that when that when that trade went down, when we were even talking to some of those guys that had covered him, saying that um, they heard through their sources as well that Glaber was going to start playing some second base, and that's what we had heard that the two Mateo and Glaber Torres are going to play, you know, intermix at shortstop and second base. So I do think they're going to play him up the middle somewhere. Um, I don't think he's got the power numbers. I don't think I don't think Torres has the power numbers to to slide over to third base and be a long term third base guy. I feel like he's, he's more of a gap right hitter. now. He could he could develop some power. No, you're right, but I, I'm so I'm, I shouldn't say that doesn't have the uh, the numbers now. But projecting, I think they they don't project him as a big power guy. Yeah. Um, and as I think you said this earlier in the show, I can't even remember, but obviously Cashman has said that he expects a bounce back year from Headley. So I don't think they're ready to move on from Headley this season. And from everything, still two years on the contract. And he's extremely nice. He's like the nicest guy ever. You know what? I'm, I'm really like, I, you don't like, the, do you not like hearing that? No, I don't because I, I don't, how nice no. somebody is should not affect your playing time. <laughs> should not affect it's, how, if you make the roster or not, just cause you're a nice guy. It should be performance. He's a nice guy. I'm telling you. Just, I'm just, I'm just telling you some facts. Douche, here. douche bag. If you're a douchebag, you could uh, that could affect you being on the roster because that could be a problem. Just, zero, but, zero doubt about it. Brett Lowry would never be a Yankee. But ever. just because you're a a nice guy doesn't make you an automatic. Doesn't get you automatic playing time. I'm, I, I'm just. I'm sure Headley is the nicest guy in the world, and I'm sure if I sat down and had a beer with him, he would be an awesome guy. But as far as how he plays third base and how he hits. I don't want to watch him anymore. I'm not sure Chase Headley would have a beer with you. I'm just saying I don't think he would do it after what Well, he if he's such him. a nice guy, of course he would. Eh, he would just avoid the situation to be nice. So you're saying he would snub me? I think he'd avoid the situation to be nice. All right. Next mailbag comes from Sean. He says, hey, guys, love the podcast. I started listening around the time we traded for Clint Frazier. The insight we got from Cleveland minor league coach was awesome. I'm also loving the interviews with future Yankees. Keep up the great work. I have a pre and post game question. Are you more stands or Billy's guys for your bar of choice? So I like, I like, uh, I'm not a Billy's guy at all. <laughs> well, how Billy, the hell I, do we always wind up there? Because everybody always wants to go there and I just go along with it. The first year, where did we go? We went to Yankees Tavern. I like shitholes. I love dirty bars. Dude, Yankees Tavern. They didn't even have stools. They had no, no place to sit in there. There were stools. There were absolutely stools there. I don't remember. There, I thought yeah, it was, there was just like, I just remember it being like this dingy bar with no place to sit. No, see, look, I give me a dirty bar with a with with some with a cheap beer, and I'll hang out there all day. I love hole in the wall bars. The Billy's is like a club to me. I'm too old for that shit. The music's too damn loud. There's too many goddamn lights. There's too many. I'll, I I will say that it's entertaining watching people be complete yeah. jackasses at the end. People watching. After, you can't after the game. People watching. Yeah. After the game, people watching at Billy's is pretty hilarious because there's some complete jackasses doing some really, really like ridiculous things. But if you're asking me to go get a beer, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Hole in the Wall. I'm going to go talk to my boy who's the bartender and I'm going to drink a beer. And that's it. We did. Did we do stands pregame last year? Or no, we, we did. D- dugout. Dugout. The dugout. It was the dugout. Yeah. I, I mean, it's dugout stands. had a dirty feel. Had a, it, was, it was dirty enough for me. Oh, yeah. It smelled like my frat house. Yeah. Um, the only thing I like about Billy's is that they have an outside area. Yeah, the outside area upstairs is pretty cool. 
But, but I totally so agree with you. It just gets so packed in there. It's like, I totally I agree with you. Like something about just the club music pumping after a Yankees game is just not how I want to spend my Saturday afternoon. No, I feel like if I'm in the Bronx hanging out with guys who watch just watch the Yankees game, we should be in a complete shithole bar drinking beer, not just like like I can't handle that. The space at Billy's is nice though. Like if if it's not crowded in there, you have a lot of room for activities. Sometimes too much though, because then I feel like I'm it's I'm not as I'm not having as much fun. It's not as it's like a warehouse. It's not as enjoyable. Yeah, I'm in a warehouse. But if I'm in like a packed in like shitty bar, then I'm, you know, I'm I feel like uh, I'm part of something at that point. So you're. There's, you have to. You, if you were to rank them, you would say it goes Yankees Tavern and then Dugout Stands Billy's. Yeah, I think Stands is up there with uh, with Yankees Tavern. I like the Yankees Tavern. I think that place is it's got charm. It's got some uh, some old school feel to it. And maybe it's because my the bars I went to in college were like real shithole bars, like real narrow, like just shitty shitty bars. And that's I guess that's what I like. <laughs> that's just what, it's what I grew up with. Is Yankees Tavern the place that you walk into the bathroom and there's just like six toilets, six, six like sit down toilets out in the middle of a room? I can't remember now. I don't remember the bathroom scenario there. Um, uh, a baseball, a, a, like a, a, a classic baseball tavern to me, I think should have piss troughs. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a uh, good, good element to have it's, it's feels like you really game. had an old time baseball game like at wrigley field they had piss troughs when i was there and that was that honestly that was like one of the first things i told people about when when they asked me how wrigley field was it was like it was awesome the, the hot dogs were good and they had piss troughs the old yankee stadium you would piss on a wall right I'm pretty sure you piss on a wall <laughs> you, just, you just piss on any any red yeah, sox fan a, near there you there was just a trough and you piss on a wall yeah not anymore it's too corporate the good old days all right let's, what do we got next Next is from Rudy G. We heard from Rudy last week. Also a long-time listener. Thanks for reading my Time Machine mailbag last week. I usually agree with Scott on Yankee stuff, but agreed with Andrew's response on that one. My question for this week, if CeCe has a decent 2017 season, should Casherman offer him a one-year deal? I think so because he seems to be a great clubhouse guy who could help the rookies develop. After all, Andy pitched until he was 41. Um. So... All right, so I kind of have a take. My, uh, my CC take kind of uh, goes into the next mailbag question too, but I'll save it. Um, it's an interesting question because say CC has a uh, fairly identical year in 2017 as he did 2016, he'll get another contract. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees could be in a position next year too with Tanaka potentially leaving. Pineda potentially leaving, they're going to need rotation spots. So I'm not ruling it out entirely. I'm not going to either because I think CC is going to want to finish in New York. I don't think he's going to want to go somewhere else at this point in his career. So I think if he does have a good year, uh, I think it's very much on the table for for Cashman to you know offer him kind of a, a one more one more a one more deal type thing where kind of your swan song. Uh, and then and then that's it. But if he doesn't have a good year, I could see him retiring. So I think it's yeah. it's one or the other. I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else with all the you know off the field stuff that's going on. Like, do you really want to go and put yourself inject yourself into a new clubhouse and a new city and all that crap? Uh, you know, he's got a young family, uh, you know, with 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 kids and I don't know. I, he's he's at a point in his career where I could see that he just you know wants to stay in New York one way or the other. Um. So the reason I said that, uh, so let's read the next mailbag question. Uh, it comes from Luke in Leicester, England. He says, worst case scenario, the Yankees are out of a playoff race come the deadline. 
who are a few guys you could think uh, they could sell high on. And the reason I, I was mentioning CC is because, yes, they could sign him again in 2018. They could also shop him at the trade deadline if he's having another good season. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I don't see him as, as, a, as a big shop candidate. I don't know. I, if he's having a good year, he's still <laughs> – like anything around the corner is uh, it could be bad news for a team. I just You're not going to get much for him, I don't think, even no. at the trade deadline. Yeah, I know, but he has a no trade clause, so that he'd also have to waive that. But yeah. if – Cashman is saying, I'll just get a very, very low-level prospect if you pick up the remaining, whatever, $10 bucks on his salary. I mean, that's basically a salary dump if they want to go that route. And yeah, if you're a team, if you're a playoff like. team, if you're a playoff team, you're bringing in a guy with experience. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of the question. I just don't uh, – I think at this point in his career, I think CeCe's going to end with the Yankees one way or the other. I don't see them uh, them shipping him out. Uh, do you, who do you see if they have uh, to Luke's question? Who who could uh, who could they sell high on at the deadline? I just I don't I don't see very many guys unless it's unless it's like Gardner who who just this has lights out first half of the year. Uh, if he's uh, if he comes out of the gate like extremely hot, I, I, I he's the only guy on the team that I see is tradable at this point. I don't see very many guys that that you could you can look around unless you're going to go conspiracy theory and say Tanaka. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and have him and I have love him conspiracy theories uh, you know talk about that because you know that's that's something that's uh that could get a, a, a serious return but that's on the table definitely it should it, it probably it is with the opt-out there it's definitely on the table the only other guy i could see is aaron judge yeah but but then he's you're also you're going to give up on a guy who's doing well at that point well you, so you're not you wouldn't be selling high because um, if you're selling high, then you're keeping him. What? No. So, listen. I'm man. saying if you're in a position to sell high, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be selling. The Yankees for, for say all young. the right things about about Aaron Judge, but something I I kind of just have a feeling that they don't truly believe in his potential. Yeah. So, whether they're right or wrong, I would love to see Aaron Judge on the Yankees for his whole career because I think he is a very unique player. He's huge. He's very marketable. He can hit bombs. So I would love it if he's the right fielder for the next 10 years for the Yankees. But if he has a solid, real solid first half of the year, maybe that he, he becomes a trade chip for a starting pitcher. Possible. I don't think it's likely because I think if he does have a good year, a good first half of the year, they're not they're not trading them at that point. Yeah. I, I think it's just totally against what they'd be doing. Yeah, the fans. I mean, if unless it's in a trade to bring back someone like you know Sonny Gray or Jose Quintana, fans are going to be pissed. Yeah, absolutely. The other guy that that nobody believes is going to have a first good first half of the year, that is also right in this wheelhouse that could be traded for. Who I think is interesting because he's still young is a guy Aaron Hicks. If Aaron Hicks were to come out <laughs> and prove that he's Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, and he's he's actually that guy, then Brian Cashman has a real trade chip on his hands—a young, athletic, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, when is the Aaron hitter. Hicks talk going to end? Can we Same, can man. we like put a, a moratorium on Aaron Hicks talk on this podcast? I like it. It's fun. I kind of like that it gets under your skin a little bit. Um. I need to find my my new uh, my new bay for for next year. You already really found one, you off. Starlin. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I do love him. All right, let's. Uh, why don't you read the final question? This is a Twitter question from at NJP584. 
He said, name one player who you believe will do the following. Number one, take a big step forward. Number two, take a big step backward. And number three is uh, won't be a Yankee at the trade deadline. Uh, we kind of just answered that now that I think yeah. about it. Um, I'm going to go backwards to, to forwards. If I had to say one Yankee will not be on the team at the trade deadline, it's Brett Gardner. One, uh, one Yankee that will take a huge step backwards this year. It's actually a tough question. Um, let's go with, let's go with, um, well, Chase Headley can't really go any far back. So, um, let's say, uh, Chad green, (laughs) 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 uh, big shocker. Oh oh my God. Huge step. Big step step forward is Luis Severino. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) big step forward. I think there's like, there's like 15 guys. You can take a big step forward. I think, uh, so name one. Big step forward. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Chase Headley. I think Chase Headley <laughs> changes minds this year, You're just trolling and me. people, yeah, <laughs> people will be okay with Chase Headley. Big step backward. I'm going to go on a limb here, and because I think there, there's two people. One, I think because of the expectations, I think people don't say it. Don't say it. I know where you're going. Might, I was going to say it too. Don't say it. It's going to well, put a hex on the whole season. I'm not going <laughs> to. Fine, Greg Bird. Possibly Greg Bird. Everybody remembers what he did. Would that really ago. be a step backward? He came in though. hot. Yeah, it could be a step backward. He did pretty well in that second he half of that year. Played in a year. You're right, but people only remember what he did in the year that he came from. Uh, came up for what the share was healthy, and he was gangbusters. So this guy could take a step back. He's been off for a year. It's it's going to be a, a big role. The guy that I was going to mention, I won't mention because don't say it. I'm not getting blamed for any hexes, but yeah. there's big expectations. I'm just saying. <laughs> You have to answer number three. Do, do the math. Uh, yeah, it's Brett Gardner. That's, that's the guy who's not going to be a Yankee after the trade deadline, and that's, it's Brett Gardner, unless Jackie Bradley Jr. appears. Well, Jackie Bradley Jr. 2.0 would have to be the guy who takes the big step forward, and then he would be the guy who's no longer on the team. So, so couple he, would, he, would, he would be the answer to two. Two of them. Yeah. Big time. All right, that's it for the mailbag questions. Thanks to everyone who submitted. Um, definitely seeing uh, a lot stronger mailbag questions come in, so I'm loving that. Keep those coming. Call the voicemail line at 646-480-0342. Something tells me, Scott, that as we start to get baseball games going on this year, that people might be calling in with some hot takes on that voicemail line. I just want to hear some rants. I don't know why everybody doesn't call the mailbag. Like, if they're, they don't want to hear their na- their uh, their voice on the podcast. or Save scary. me from having to read. They're scared. <laughs> Seriously, please save us all from having to read. But they're scared to hear their voice. on. I don't know. Call the mailbag. Call the voice line, people. Let's do this. Let's get your voice... On this show, it's uh, it breaks it up. It's more fun. And remember that uh, code for the fan shop, twenty five percent off, is BP Show twenty five. Use it, tweet it, and we will retweet it. Scott, any last words? Go get you some t-shirts. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Talk to you guys. Later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.